Hey everybody, this is Natal Partansky with Startup Essays. And uh, this is where we talk about uh, the different startup essays from influencers all over the industry. I'm usually the one reading off these essays. The goal is so that it kind of comes off like a um, like an audiobook and then at the end of the essay I kind of just give it a little talk, my perspective, and then sometimes there's uh, another person here and we get their perspective as well. They could be another startup founder, they could be another person in the industry, maybe even an influencer themselves. Uh, so yeah, I mean it's been a few months <laughs> since the last time uh, I got on the podcast um, and I can tell you why. Uh, great news. We actually raised um, from our total seed financing about $2.7 million. So that's pretty cool. Uh, company is now seven people. And for those of you just tuning in, I am the founder of a robotics company called Sorting Robotics. Uh, YC back startup that finished S19 a few months ago and we uh, build robotics for uh, agriculture systems. So we started in e-commerce, now in agriculture, and I just like to talk about startups. I, I love this shit. <laughs> this is kind of um, like this is what we do. So uh, normally the stuff that I'll read is like Paul Graham essays because he's the founder of YC. I'm a huge YC guy. Uh, fanboy and participant um, and today we will be talking about the Ronco principle it's on a uh, paulgram.com slash Ronco uh, he wrote it in January of 2015 so uh, I never read the essays beforehand which sometimes is a good idea uh, sometimes not a great idea um, but this way, like, we're both learning together, and um, we can kind of just see how this goes, see what insights uh, we can glean straight from reading this. So why don't I just get right to it? This is the Ronco Principle. <clears throat> no one, VC or angel, has invested in more of the top startups than Ron Conway. He knows what happened in every deal in the Valley half of the time because he arranged it. And yet, he's a super nice guy. In fact, nice is not the word. Ronco is good. I know of zero instances in which he has behaved badly. It's hard even to imagine. When I first came to Silicon Valley, I thought, how lucky that someone so powerful is so benevolent. But gradually I realized that it wasn't luck. It was because, by being benevolent, that Ronco became so powerful. All the deals he gets to invest in come to him through referrals. Google did, Facebook did, Twitter was a referral from Evan Williams himself. And the reason why so many people refer deals to him is that he's proven himself to be a good guy. Good does not mean being a pushover. I would not want to face an angry Ronco. But if Ron is angry at you, it's because you did something wrong. Ron is so old school. He's Old Testament. He will smite you in his, in his just wrath. There's no malice in it. In almost every domain, there are advantages to seeming good. It makes people trust you. But actually being good is an expensive way to seem good. 
an amoral person, it might seem to be overkill. In some fields, it might be, but apparently not in the startup world. Though plenty of investors are jerks, there is a clear trend among them. The most successful investors are also the most upstanding. It's not always this way. I could not feel confident saying that about investors 20 years ago. What changed? The startup world became more transparent and more unpredictable. Both make it harder to seem good without actually being good. It's obvious why transparency has that effect. When an investor maltreats a founder now, it gets out. Maybe not all the way to the press, but other finders hear about it, and that investor starts to lose deals. The effect of unpredictability is more subtle. It increases the work of being inconsistent. If you're going to be two-faced, you have to know who you should be nice to and who you can get away with being nasty to. In the startup world, things change so rapidly that you can't tell. The random college kid that you talk to today might in a couple years be the CEO of the, hardest start- of the hottest startup in the valley. If you can't tell who to be nice to, you have to be nice to everyone. And probably the only people who can manage that are the people who are genuinely good. In a sufficiently connected and unpredictable world, you can't seem good without being good. As often happens, Ron discovered how to be the investor of the future by accident. He didn't foresee the future of startup investing, realize it would pay to be upstanding, and force himself to behave that way. It would feel unnatural to him to behave any other way. He was already living in the future. Fortunately, that future is not limited to the startup world. Most, the, to the startup world is more transparent and unpredictable than most, but almost everywhere, the trend is in that direction. And, uh, let's see, he has a note. So he's saying, I'm not saying that if you sort investors by benevolence, you've also sorted them by returns but rather that if you do a scatter plot with benevolence on the x-axis and returns on the y, you'd see a clear upward trend. Okay, that's an interesting kind of little tidbit. Y Combinator in particular, because it aggregates data from so many startups, has a pretty comprehensive view of investor behavior. Very cool. So let's talk about what Paul Graham is kind of going over right now because he's talking about being good in the startup world and specifically being an investor that's good so that's a uh, pretty interesting way to characterize an investor as benevolent or not benevolent um so recently as i guess i kind of mentioned in the beginning um i r- talked with a bunch of investors and ranged a bu- and raised a bunch of money and so I would say most of those investors were quite benevolent, like really cool, really fun. Um, I wouldn't say any of them were mean people. And if they were mean people, I don't think I would have taken their money because uh, I don't feel like dealing with that sort of headache. Um, it's hard to tell if they've been so benevolent. I've actually seen many Ron Conway uh, interviews with Paul Graham. There's been panels with Ron Conway with Paul Graham. Uh, I feel like they're like BFFs or something like that. But um, most of the investors I've talked to, uh, they they seem pretty straightforward. Uh, I 
actually very recently I talked to an investor and yeah, that person was mm, not fun to talk to. I it was an introduction from another investor who uh kind of like passed over my company and uh they were like, "Well, we like your company, but you know, it's just not in our sector or whatever excuse they gave." And they said, "Hey, uh like many months later, they said, "Hey, would you like to talk to this person?" They seemed like way more in your wheelhouse and I was like, "Yeah, sure." So I talked with the investor and it was kind of weird because it was like, uh, hey, random person, um, like you were referred to me by another person who didn't actually want to give me money. Um, but normally that should be fine. I just took it as like a normal investor introduction. However, this person that I talked to was so rude like, oh man, I, I think the conversation started out with, oh, I work at this investment company and uh, that's all you need to know. Wh- what? Uh, I mean, for those of you who haven't done a bunch of investor meetings, usually they break up into two sections. The first section is the investor talks about their investment firm, what they normally invest in. And if you're going through like an accelerator like YC, they normally say, yeah, we've talked with XYZ company. We've talked with these founders. We've invested in these guys because they're building up their kind of credibility so they can sell themselves to you. And then the investor themselves will say, oh, yeah, and I was a mechanical engineer. Oh, yeah, actually, I was a venture capitalist at the other firm and I built my own firm. Or, oh, yeah, you know, I've been in the space for 10 years. Like, so they they tell you about themselves um, like a normal introduction, right? They're basic, most of these conversations are like almost always like blind dates. Like you might have talked to them once or twice or once in person for five minutes. And then you go to like a pitch where it's either in person or it's on the phone. And, and you still don't know who they are, right? Like because you've just been like they've been kind of exchanging information about what the business does. And this person just, fuck, man. Like, it was so rude. It was like, yep, and that's all you need to know. And so I kind of, you know, was real chill about it. I was like, okay, well, um, okay, well, that's interesting, I guess. Well, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself on how, what you did before you got to this point? And the person was like, oh, well, uh, I worked at this other investment firm. And, uh, then I started this one and I was just like, uh, wow, it kind of felt like a bad Tinder date, honestly, Jesus Christ. Like where you just like say, you ask a question and you get like a one sentence, like three word answer back. And it's like, okay. And then they were like, oh yeah, well, why don't, why don't you tell me about your company? And I was thinking to myself, well, fuck, like, I don't think I really want to tell you about my company because you were rude as hell like and now you want me to talk like when you didn't tell me anything about you and said something like oh well that's all you need to know for now it's like well i mean what do you think i need to know for now like am i gonna go to you and be like well this is all you need to know for now no i'm gonna like try to give you a clear picture so you can understand me as well as you can and I feel like that should be the same way. And that's the best people who I've interacted with. That's kind of how they've talked with me. So needless to say, I'll never be accepting 
that group's money, um, which is fine. Uh, but, um, but when he's talking about like investors that are notoriously good or bad, um, and especially when he's talking about uh, YC in particular, so it's a pretty well-known fact that YC keeps a database of all the investors in the valley and it's very exclusive like only yc founders have access to it and we don't talk about what's on the database or any of the um like kind of specific information on it but it's extremely helpful because it gives founders knowledge onto the deals that they could be getting into and the types of people that they could be getting into because fundraising is a small yet crucial part of a founder's job but it's a small part the real part is building value right building a business talking to your customers etc etc um and so how many times will a startup founder go through the fundraising process maybe they'll do pre-seed maybe they'll do seed round series a b maybe c and maybe a couple other letters but probably on average They'll do like three to five fundraising rounds, at least from the people that I've talked to. So that's over the course of like three to 10 years. So out of 10 years, someone's only doing a fundraise once every 18 months uh, or once every two years. Like they only have five at bats, but a VC that's their whole job is to do the fundraising game on a day-to-day basis. This is what they do. So it's a lot nicer when you have a lot more knowledge from other founders that kind of help you in that process. Um, so you can maybe approach an equal footing with the rest of the like investment community, which is the other side of the table, the VCs. So, um, that is that's probably why Paul is talking about this kind of um reason why Ron has been like so successful because as things like this YC investor database have like kind of become more prolific um and founder culture has developed if you're a shitty investor it doesn't matter how much money you have because a lot of startups choose their cap table and try to build their cap table like they build their product with some serious thought behind it because a cap table can fuck up your product uh, and a bad product will ruin your cap table. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's probably a, a good kind of like summary of what it means to be a good investor. Um, and when he talks about in almost every domain, there are advantages to seeming good. That's totally true. Um, and it, I think it really comes uh, into play when you're talking about like CEOs, especially in early stage startups. There's this idea that you know every startup CEO has to be an asshole like Steve Jobs. <laughs> well, uh, and I actually have one of my friends and he says, uh, yeah, um, there's a lot of guys who try to like be like Steve Jobs, like a total dick. Uh, but they forget that he was a genius also. So it's like, 
yeah, maybe if you do the genius part first, like people might be more accepting of the dick part. Um, but when you're just a jerk, no one wants to work with you. And imagine if you're a startup CEO and you're a jerk, no one's going to work for your company. You're already struggling to get people to buy your widget. Um, how are you going to do it if you treat everyone around you like shit? Like the CEO is the person who kind of like sets the culture and does most of the hiring decisions, at least in the very beginning of the company. So, um, being nice and good benevolent is a pretty good way to move things along. Money will only get you so far, especially once you start hiring more educated people where money is less of a uh, driving force aside from value and fulfillment in the work that they do. So that's a pretty good reason. It's interesting that he talks about Ron Conway. You know, if Ron Conway, if you ever listen to these podcasts, reach out to me. It just, you know, I mean, you're probably on Bookface. Just hit me up. <laughs> um, but it would be it would be cool to me because I feel like he's kind of like a legend, like he, uh, a legend in the valley, like, oh, Ron Conway. He's a very formidable, interesting investor. He also is very opinionated. Uh, if you ever look up Ron Conway interviews in uh, YouTube or anything like that, he has a lot of pretty strong investment opinions and a lot of pretty strong opinions on what the future of startups are going to be like. So I think those are those are very interesting. Yeah, I, I didn't notice that um, the Ronco principle was actually about Ron Conway. Uh, that's funny. Um, but yeah, I think today is probably going to be more of a, a shorter podcast, just getting back into the swing of things. Normally these are around 30 minutes long I think today. We'll kind of keep it at around 20. Um, but yeah, uh, if you guys have any questions, if you guys have a specific journal article or essay from another startup founder, another VC or some influencer in the space, uh, hit me up at startupessays at gmail.com. I will answer it and get back to you. I see some of our listeners are kind of all over the world. Uh, we got like, I think it's five different continents of people that are listening right now, which is pretty cool. Um, so we have uh, a kind of path that's like going on uh where some of this information is like getting distributed around to people that are interested in the space. Also feel free to ask any questions. Um, like, uh, like every product, we're still trying to find the product market fit for this podcast right now. I think the, uh, audio book slash conversational tone of the podcast makes a lot of sense, but you know what? Let's see. Maybe we'll answer some questions. If you guys got some like weird startup uh, difficulties that you're going through, hit me up. Maybe uh, I will anonymize it so it's not something specific. You know, founder troubles, business troubles. You know, let's just see how it goes. See if you guys have any things that you want discussed on the podcasting world. Uh, so give me a heads up. All right, everybody. That's it for this week. Uh, my name is Natal Partansky, and this is Startup Essays. Hit me up at startupessays at gmail.com. 
and I will get to you guys next week. Later.